Welcome to the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 21st. I'm Anastasia Glova. While still waiting for the new strategy that he will announce next month, President Bush signaled at a press conference on Wednesday that he may go against the recommendations of his Joint Chiefs of Staff and increase troop levels in Iraq. The president also conceded for the first time that current American strategy in Iraq is not leading to victory. Director of Foreign Policy Studies Christopher Preble offers his remarks. It looks like Bush has finally admitted that we're not winning in Iraq, but we're not losing either. That's right. The president has said that the U.S. is not winning in Iraq, but he also says we're not losing. This is the same position that General Pace, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, has come up with. And it is significant that the president has admitted as much because for some time there was a sense that the U.S. was not winning in Iraq, that in fact the violence has gone up even though the U.S. troop levels have stayed the same and and Iraqi security forces, at least depending on whose numbers you believe, are going up and yet the violence increases. And so the problem for the White House over time has been that they increasingly seem to be divorced from reality. The public sees what's happening, they see the statistics, and the president has been saying he's winning. The reason why he's been saying that for so long is because There is a theory about maintaining public support for wars, military operations abroad, that if the American public believes that we're winning, then they're more likely to support it. This theory has been under stress, as it's fair to say, over the last few months, because while it's true that the American public is obviously much more supportive of winning strategies, they also have a sense of what is in the U.S. interest, whether or not a particular military operation advances U.S. security or not. Increasingly, the American public looks in Iraq as a distraction in the war on terrorism, actually making our terrorism problem worse. And that really is what I think is at the base of the erosion of public support for the war, in addition to the growing sense that our current strategy is simply not succeeding in stabilizing the country. And there was no clear sign of of when U.S. troops are going to get out of Iraq. So a whole bunch of reasons why ultimately the White House and the president himself have changed their position on the war. Well, certain pundits have already been saying as much, but it looks like the administration is now coming around to agree with this point of view. So are we going to see changes or just rhetoric? Well, the great irony is I think we are likely to see some changes in the U.S. strategy in Iraq, but it's the change in the wrong direction as far as I'm concerned. I think we are likely to see an increase in the number of troops, which is exactly opposite of what the Baker-Hamilton Commission report. In fact, the Baker-Hamilton Commission report explicitly talked about potentially the need to increase the number of troops, and they, they advised against that. On the other hand, there have been a number of voices, including John McCain, the editors of the Weekly Standard, who have been calling for more troops in Iraq for some time. They and a number of others inside of the administration believe that by adding troops, into, particularly into Baghdad, they can bring stability uh, there and therefore kind of show the rest of the country, the rest of Iraq, what's possible. The problem, of course, becomes, and why the military, at least in the short term, is troubled by this, is the military is already under great strain, even to sustain 140,000 troops in Iraq, let alone 160 or 170,000. And that is why there's been some pushback. And the other problem is the president has been saying he wants Iraqi forces to stand up and that as those forces stand up, we'll stand down. But this goes in exactly the opposite direction by the United States doing more to try to bring some security to Iraq that discourages the Iraqis from stepping forward. That's what we've seen in the past. And at the end of the day, there is no military solution to what's happening in Iraq. It's a political process that's going on. It's some kind of political reconciliation that has to take place. And that's the only way to solve the problem. And the U.S. does not have a lot of control over that.
We already know that Bush was quite quick to dismiss one of the report's recommendations, and that is to draw down troops in 2008. Right. The president was quite quick to dismiss this even before the report was issued officially to dismiss talk about a drawdown or setting any timetable. He's completely opposed to that. It's still an open question as to whether or not we'll see more troops in Iraq. I think the betting is we're more likely to see an increase than a stay-the-course strategy, and certainly more than a drawdown. Then, as you put it in an earlier op-ed, Bush and what army? <laughs> uh, right. I, I wrote an op-ed a little over a year ago talking about the stresses on the force, particularly recruiting pressures in the summer of 2005. And those recruiting pressures have eased a bit over the past year. The Army spent a considerable amount of money on recruiting, did a few things to kind of lower some of the standards to admit more recruits, increase the age, and a various number of things. So the Army has met its recruiting goals for this year, for 2006. The reserves is still missing theirs. And ultimately, it really does come down to we have a series of foreign policy objectives, and we have a set number of troops, personnel, hardware to accomplish those objectives. There has been a serious mismatch between those objectives and our resources for a long, long time, going back to the end of the Cold War. And my argument has always been that the issue is not more troops, but a better use of the troops that we have. If we did not have 140,000 or maybe later 160 or 170,000 troops in Iraq, we would not be talking about the need for a larger army. We would, in fact, be talking about the potential for reducing the size of the military even further. If we looked seriously at some of the legacy deployments that we've kept over from the Cold War, we'd have an opportunity to reduce the military even further. And so ultimately, this is not a debate about the resources. It's a debate about our objectives. And I think there are a lot of ways, including a greater reliance on regional powers and other countries around the world to take greater responsibility for their own defense that would actually allow us to draw down the size of our military, which is enormous. We spend more than all the other countries in the world combined, essentially. There's a lot of opportunities for us to rebalance globally, to reduce our military spending, and at the same time really allow other countries to step forward and take more responsibility for their own defense. If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional, one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.